Hi everyone, my name is Melissa Lee and I'm your health coach who targets women with PCOS and women in general who wants to achieve stubborn weight loss. I do my best work when I work with PCOS urban women in their 30s who are embarrassed about their weight but want to feel comfortable in their bodies and are able to lose stubborn weight naturally. In this podcast, we talk about various topics including why stubborn weight loss is so hard to achieve. If this is you, definitely put this in your podcast list because one episode will be released every single week. So hi everyone. Today I would like to introduce you to Melissa Christie, founder of PCOS Pathways. She's a beautiful woman, wife and mother who lives in New South Wales, Australia. I found out about Melissa actually through her creation of the PCOS Journal, which has helped many women record what happens in their body and access her supportive day planner. I'm so excited to have Melissa on here to share with you more about her PCOS journey and what led her to create this wonderful journal. So hi, Melissa. Hi, Melissa. How are you? Thank you for having me. Yes, it was so weird that we have the same names, but that's cool. (laughs) So just let the listeners know, like, who are you? Like, what made you start, you know, creating this journal in the first place? Yeah, um, well, so as you said, my name's Melissa and I'm the founder of PCOS Pathways. Um, But that all sort of came about from having PCOS, you know, as with so many women who have, you know, um, PCOS blogs and businesses, when you look at um, their stories, they're almost always a woman with PCOS. Um, And so for me, I mean, I was diagnosed in 2012 um, and I, I was actually kind of I was kind of relieved when I got the diagnosis because it was just, mm-hmm. it just explained so much. And I was excited by the idea that I could do something about it. So I, I really dove into trying to, you know, heal my PCOS and doing lots of research. And, um, you know, I had varying degrees of success and I tried all sorts of things over the years. But in 2015, um, my husband and I were traveling and we, I miscarried our first baby. Mm -hmm. And it was a really, you know, intense experience um, with lots of layers of, you know, grief and complication. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the fear that, you know, I might not ever be able to have a baby or if I got pregnant again, that I might miscarry again because, you know, it was a very intense experience and being in India kind of just um, amplified that completely. Um, And so because we were traveling, I wasn't around any of my normal health practitioners. And so Mm. I really, although I had really great support from my husband and obviously friends and family online and everything, um, in terms of healthcare, I really kind of felt like I had to fend for myself in in that sense just because my normal healthcare practitioners weren't around Mm -hmm. um and so it really led me to delve very deep on PCOS and read so much about it and I you know I achieved a lot during that time in terms of my health but it was very difficult and part of what made it difficult was just the fact that there's so much information online there's so much contradictory information online and you 
as I'm sure you've experienced this, so many of us, we end up taking, you know, sometimes like 10 different supplements to, you know, treat all these different angles of all of our symptoms. It's a lot to manage. Like there's Mm -hmm. heaps of symptoms. There's so many treatments that we often take at once. And I just sort of found myself like not knowing what was helping what. I just felt quite lost in it all. And this was all while I was just in extreme grief, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. and whilst I was away from home. Um, So it was just a very big time for me. And I sort of made the decision then that once I sort of felt better and felt up to it, that I really wanted to um, be more active in the PCOS community and create something that would support us because I just thought you know it's affecting so many women there should be more resources for us and Mm -hmm. support tools so I really wanted to create something at its core I wanted to create something that would help us to figure out what treatments were working for us and what weren't and what how they were affecting each of our symptoms I I just wanted that was the main thing I wanted I wanted clarity around what was improving what symptom or not right so yeah so that was my decision back then that was in 2015 and and then you know it wasn't until 2017 the end of 2017 that I actually started PCOS pathways and um Mm. and you know began working on the journal and and a journey since then as well (laughs) yeah I mean that's a you know that's an incredible journey and like I'm so glad that, you know, you took the two years to research and then come up with this kind of thing. Because I feel like a lot of people, you know, could be in your shoes and, you know, they, they didn't feel like they were being supported. Um, I have a question. Were you in, in, when you were in India, like, did you mm-hmm. kind of seek out the Ayurveda aspect of healing? Well, well <laughs> it was funny because we had been traveling all year. So at, by the time I was pregnant, I think we'd been traveling five months and we'd gone all through Asia. We were backpacking. And so by the time we got to China, which was maybe three months in, and sorry, before I left, um, before I left Australia, I was actually using Ayurveda and I was seeing really great results. But it's funny, my practitioner, she was an Indian woman and she, like, she was from India and she had family in India and they would send her the medicines in bulk. And so when she would give me my um, different supplements and hers, mm-hmm. they weren't in like nicely packaged, you know, labeled <laughs> bottles or anything. They were yeah. in like saddy bags. Like right. it looked like it looked like drugs. It wasn't. <laughs> That's what it looked like. And so, so when I went to fly overseas, I couldn't take it with me. But oh, I, thought, I see. You know, I just thought I can't. Yeah, take it. yeah. Like, it's fine. It's the label. Yeah, I just I'll get caught up in the airport. It just won't happen. And plus, I was thinking, you know, I think stress is a big part of my PCOS. Like, I'm about to go and just unwind on a beach in Thailand. Like, I just had a good feeling anyway that travel would help me. Mm-hmm. and but by the time I got and and so sorry I also had intentions in my mind that everywhere I went that I would follow my nose with practitioners you know if I found 
you know, a medicine like man in Thailand or something, I would just, okay. you know, I'd explore that. And so, yes, we went through Thailand for a few months. And when we got to China, actually, my PCOS was really bad. I was super moody. My, my skin was a mess. I'd put on a bunch of weight. The moodiness was probably the worst of it, though. I was just really irrational. And so we got to China. I was like, I need, I think I should try Chinese medicine. And I did. And oh I, my God, that's a dream. Yeah. <laughs> in a sense, well, right? In a yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was awesome, though. I found this great practitioner, Dr. Lily was her name. And Aww. she was just awesome. I got, I just instantly went to a 28 day cycle, like instantaneously, because that was the other thing. My cycle was getting really long. Mm-hmm. And it just went bam. I just ovulated, got my period next cycle ovulated got my period just like clockwork and so she sent me with a bunch of tea really intense like bags of tea and we went into Nepal we went trekking I had this tea and I just I got pregnant straight away straight away while we were trekking oh that's amazing it was amazing we hadn't even been trying we knew we were going to start trying and that's why I was so keen to see a practitioner in China and so it was literally like the first time that we tried. It was just, it was just so fortunate. Um, but it was, you know, it was a, obviously unfortunate ultimately. But it was a, it was a weird journey because we were in Nepal and I got pregnant. Mm-hmm. And the very next day after I got pregnant, not knowing I was pregnant, there was the massive earthquake in 2015. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we were actually like in the mountains when that happened. Oh my we, god! Yeah, we were stuck in the mountains for about a week. It was a really intense experience. And anyway, by the time I got to India, I was maybe four weeks pregnant. And literally two minutes before I got on the flight to India, I the morning sickness hit me. And so the entire time I was in India, I actually had really extreme morning sickness um like there's actually a word for it you know how some women get really sick and they have to be like on a drip and there's actually there's a name for it it's a condition okay yeah and I didn't know but I actually had that but I didn't realize because one thing that is essential to that condition is that you're losing weight and I just thought I was just getting so fat but I didn't have scales I just thought that I was just getting massive Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and then when it came to my 12-week ultrasound I had actually lost a bunch of weight and I just hadn't seen it and but to answer your question sorry it, it was, I was a really no. long route no, it's, it's <laughs> great I'm imagining <laughs> the whole story <laughs> okay the whole time I was in India I was actually pregnant so I didn't seek mm. Ayurveda for my PCOS but I did seek Ayurveda because I was so sick with morning sickness and I was in a really remote part of India too and so it was a really unusual situation the whole thing and um, you know she came and she helped but there was also just this general feeling of like you're pregnant you know like morning sickness is normal right um, yeah but by the time I had my ultrasound the baby had died but I hadn't realized and mm-hmm. and so yeah the baby remained inside me for four weeks without any indication that I was going to miscarry or anything. so I actually had the ultrasound at 13 weeks and um 
Mm. It was just taking so long to come out that I ended up having the surgery. I had a DNC to remove the baby. And that was in Mumbai in India. Like we flew to Mumbai. because so I was mm-hmm. like, I feel like I need to be near a good hospital. Not yeah. In, in like the remote Himalaya. Yeah. And so I was in Mumbai and mm-hmm. um, their medical system is amazing over there. I feel like, really? I feel like there's, a lot of, there's a lot of assumptions that, oh, you're in India and you had to I have know. surgery. It sounds really scary, but right. actually... Actually, their hospitals in Mumbai, I can't speak for the whole country, but okay. the hospitals in Mumbai, like we visited three hospitals because I wanted to find like the best one. Mm-hmm. And um, right, that's not true. I wanted to find a doctor that I really felt comfortable with. Right. And, um, no, their hospitals were amazing. It was all very state of the art. That's cool. Anyway, See, I didn't know yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it, was okay. a, it was a shock for me too. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, very odd experience. But actually, one thing that that doctor said to me, um, and she was an amazing doctor. She's involved in lots of PCOS research, actually. Um, She told me that um, I had probably miscarried because of low progesterone um, in... And that that's a very common thing for women with PCOS. And that was something I had never known. I hadn't known that... Um, in early pregnancy, how important progesterone was. And I didn't realize that if the mother is depleted of progesterone, that it is more likely to end miscarriage. And women with PCOS, we struggle to create progesterone at the best mm-hmm. of times. So it actually, and women with PCOS have also got almost double the chance of miscarrying. So that was a huge piece of information I didn't know. No one had ever told me that. I'd never read it. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, ultimately, it made me feel okay. That's something I can look at if I get pregnant again. So it actually gave me a bit of yes. It gave me hope that there was maybe something I could do to help myself never go through this again. Um, And yeah, that's with the whole PCOS pathways, the journal, everything. If that, if I could just distill my whole purpose down to one thing, it is to let women know that one piece of information that progesterone is essential in pregnancy and we are more likely to have low levels of it so get it tested and it can be supplemented it's very mm-hmm. easy it's a it's even it's even natural although it's prescribed by a doctor it's it's a it's a natural substance that we use to replace the progesterone so anyway yeah <laughs> it was, I just it was a very talk. enlightening journey Yes, and I'm I'm so glad you talked about it because you know progesterone is very important to form the placenta in early mm-hmm. pregnancy, and that's probably why you know we have a higher rate of miscarriage. And also, I just want to bring uh, to the fact that you know some women could be like, "Oh, I'm on the birth control; the pill has progesterone," but like that's mm-hmm. the synthetic form. You're talking about the that's natural right. progesterone, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's so yeah. important. I'm so glad you brought that yeah, up. Yeah, so important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, also um, the whole pill thing is something that I really try to get across as well because there is that misconception. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So were you yeah. actually ever put on the pill when you had PCOS? Yeah. Uh, okay. uh, oh, no. hi, hi, girl. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was on the pill on and off, like many of us, on the pill on and off since I was 17. Mm-hmm. And I got diagnosed when I was 25 and I'd actually come off the pill a few months earlier. I'd, I'd always thought the pill seems a bit dodgy. I just always, 
well, my mum always instilled in, she always said, don't do it. It's not, she just always felt like it wasn't healthy and Mm -hmm. I'd always ignored her or whatever because it's, you know, it's sort of part of our culture really that many of us go on the pill. It's a sort of a rite of passage almost. It's such a used form of contraception. So common, yeah. So common. Um, But when I came off it, you know, a few months later, that was when I was like, I haven't had a period for a while. Because I've always been someone who had always been someone who was very disconnected from my period. I didn't know when it was coming. I didn't know when I'd had it last. I didn't know how long it lasted. I had no, I never wrote down dates. Right. No yeah. One told me to think of it like that. And I just never did. And obviously things have changed a lot now, but <laughs> I did, I did notice a few months after coming off the pill. Uh, it's been like, eight weeks or something I thought I'm pregnant or you know it's wrong obviously that was something wrong but um I've had although I've never gone back on the pill every doctor has told me to you know except for when I wanted to conceive every doctor because you know what like it's it's one of their only MOs like it's one of the only things they they have in their Little, little to us. Yeah, yeah. It's super tiny. So, like, I don't know what to do with you. I'll just give you the pill for everything. Yeah, yeah. but that's what they're taught, you know. Yeah. Like, it comes down to the education of our GPs mm-hmm. or our Western medicine doctors, really, more than anything. But yeah, God, they come out with some stuff, hey. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, there's so seriously. many. Oh, there's so many awful stories online that you hear and, you know, yeah, women, you, message, women you know, message me a lot. And, uh-huh. Yeah, there's just so much fat shaming and so much dismissal of the condition. and Yeah, it's tough. You know, like Dr. Jolene Brighton? She's like yeah. amazing right now at pushing this, you know, whole birth control pill after effects thing. Yeah, yeah I'm really glad yeah. that she has doing it. Yeah, it's really, really mm-hmm. good. It yeah. seems to be um, becoming a little bit more known. And the more we talk about it, the better that will become. I think talking about it inside the PCOS community is really important because there's still so many of us that mm-hmm. don't understand. But I think talking to our friends without PCOS is also important because there's lots of women, at least in my life, who don't have um, who don't have PCOS or don't have any kind of... Um, chronic conditions or fertility issues and so they're not in the world where they're reading about Mm -hmm. this stuff all the time so they're just all their whole knowledge of the pill is just that general knowledge that they get from their gp or just from life and so they're not they're not like us they're not looking at articles about oh how can i heal my condition or anything Mm -hmm. so i think it's important to share it outside of the pcos community as well yeah and like going on the pill and going off it there's also a rebound like people can get pcos just from that i think people don't know that and yeah it's true i have friends too like girlfriends you know who are on the pill and i kind of you know sometimes you just don't want to be like a like a lecturer for your friends but at the same time you want yes. them to know it so it's kind I of know. a delicate balance <laughs> I, I don't want to be like i know no, get off it right <laughs> you know yeah so yeah you don't want to sound you don't want to sound judgmental or, or preachy. like or preachy or any yeah you don't want to be the lecturing friend i've been in that position i have one friend in particular 
if she mm -hmm. ends up listening to this, she'll know exactly who that I'm talking about her where I'm like, I'm not judging. I'm not lecturing. I just, you know, I worry, <laughs> but, uh, but it's cool. Do what you want, you know, but also read this article. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're, 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 you're taking it and then, but giving like, yeah. I know. Yeah. yeah. So funny. I really hope she listens yeah. to this. She might be laughing. Right? Yeah. Well, she has actually come off the pill. So, okay. um, <laughs> it is part of it. <laughs> okay and then so how do we you know move from that to the birth of your child oh well so uh, like I said I lost the baby in India and that was about six months into our travels and our plans were to go to Europe for a few more months after that mm -hmm. before we came home I see. and when we lost the baby I was just like I don't care about travel anymore I don't care I don't want to I don't care about seeing you. Like I didn't care. I just I was so sad, and I just yeah. I just I just didn't have any. I had nothing to give. Like I just yeah, I just had nothing, and I was really torn about: do we keep traveling and spend all this money when I don't even care, or do we go home and back to the real world? And I had a friend. I was messaging with a really good friend of mine, and she was like, she she felt like just keep traveling, like if you come home now it's for the saddest reason and you'll come home to the real world and real life and you will just you'll know that that's why you came home and that she's like that just sounds kind of like you feel sad whereas at least if you're traveling it's kind of it's just each day as it comes like it's kind of a journey and I thought it, that just that resonated with me so we did we we went to Europe and but we, when we went to Europe, we went straight to friends that we had in Europe so that we could get a bit more of that comfort. And my husband was so amazing in all of this as well. And he was really supportive of however, whichever way we went, he sort of felt the same way as me. But mm -hmm. going to Europe ended up just being the best, the best decision. That three months was just the most healing time of my life because I had this space and this time around me to be able to take the time to just focus on my health, which was awesome. I didn't have to go mm. back to work. Yeah. I could just, I could just focus on my health. And the complication around the surgery that I had is that it hadn't totally worked. So the baby had been removed, but a little bit of the, um, what's it called? like um oh I can't remember now but it, some of the tissue still remained okay. it, had, okay. it had been in my body for so long that it had really fused to my uterine walls and right. my doctor was amazing in that she didn't want to aggressively scrape at the walls because there's a real danger in that it mm -hmm. can cause this condition called Asherman syndrome which is similar to endometriosis in that scar tissue sort of continues to build up and so she really just wanted to be gentle in that surgery, but it meant there was some still in me. And the fear was that I would need another DNC to get it out. But the hope was that my body would expel it on its own. So part of this time where I was researching so hardcore about PCOS was also me researching really hardcore about um, getting, oh, that's what it's called, retained tissue, getting retained tissue out of the uterus. Um, and so... In all my research, I found that there was a herb called, I, I don't know how to say it, Dong Kwai or Dong Gui. It's a Chinese oh, yeah. herb. 
Dongui. Yeah, it's also yeah. Dongui, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's also used in um like Western herbal medicine. It's called Angelica sinensis, I think. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I really wanted to find this herb. Um, but I will also say a disclaimer that <laughs> um this is a super powerful herb. Normal scenario, I wouldn't really recommend anyone just use it. Like it's, Yeah. I wouldn't recommend anything. I'm just a person with PCOS. But <laughs> you know, if you hear me and you're in a similar scenario, go so speak to a go and speak to a practitioner about it. But I was just in a very odd scenario where I was a little bit alone and in okay. terms of healthcare. And um so I was on the quest to find this herb. And we were going all through Europe, but it was summer in Europe. And so everything was closed. All the herboristeries and everything was closed. And it was all the practitioners were on holiday and it was very hard. But eventually, about a month later, I found, um, I found it in this little herb shop in Italy. And I got this big bag of the root and um, I brewed it up as tea. And within a day I had I started bleeding getting my period Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. which was which was the goal because when you've got retained tissue after a miscarriage sometimes it can take you know six weeks or more to get a period um and but the period is the most likely thing to get your retained tissue out and so I I took this tea and within a day I started bleeding and I just I cried I was so happy it was it had just felt like so long and I was just so afraid of having to have another surgery because if you have two DNCs, your risk of Asherman syndrome goes up to about 40%. And I really, I just really didn't want it. Um, and within a few days, the retained tissue came out and I was so happy. Dude, that's crazy oh, and so awesome. <laughs> you know, we happen- uh-huh. <laughs> Sorry. It's true though, like that herb is really powerful. I, I, I used to take it in like a Chinese soup form when oh, I yeah. had painful cramps and mm. two hours later the cramps just like stop like the pain just wow stopped. yeah it's super crazy yeah but like I do think that if someone wants to I don't know have it they should see like a yes you know a practitioner but oh my god yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah really well it was just so effective for me it just worked so well mm-hmm. and yeah so that was you know I got my period and then I could start getting on track for you know tracking my cycle again because I wanted to have another baby but we were also traveling and we had this big flight home ahead of us and I'd been recommended to not get pregnant and have a big flight um Mm -hmm. by my doctor in india so it was like well we'll wait till we're back in australia so i just took that europe time as a time to get so healthy and i did i i was the healthiest i've ever been even till now i just my diet was just it was just right and for me i don't know and traveling you're so active when you travel we did a lot of rock climbing through europe and so much walking and you know, we'd walk for three, four hours most days. And so there was just, I just was in a really good lifestyle. And, and it, emotionally, it was so healing because I just had this space to breathe, you know, and I did. It took, I, I think I, it was at least two and a half months, three months before I had a day where I was like, oh, I, I didn't cry today. You know, it was a really, it's a long process. And, but we came back to Australia and I actually went straight back to a Chinese medicine doctor and went 
on some Chinese medicine. And again, I just, I conceived right away. So ultimately it was five months between um, having the surgery of the first, to remove the first baby to getting pregnant again. Mm. Um, And I, well, so I went to the doctor before I even got pregnant. As soon as I came back to Australia, I was like, I need to find a doctor who's going to support me on this progesterone journey of, having my progesterone tested and supplemented if needed. And this was a struggle. My first doctor that I went to, she laughed at me. She just laughed. She was like, oh, the mother doesn't produce the progesterone. The baby does. And I knew that, well, the baby eventually does from about 10 weeks. But for those first 10 weeks, it's the mum who makes it. But you know how it is with a doctor. Like you don't, yeah. you don't want to be in that position where you, you know, you say something they don't know because then it's just awkward. And, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not a very con- confrontational person or anything. So I just let sort of let her say it and thought, I'll just find another doctor. Yeah. And I had to go back to her a week later for test results. And she said to me, I had a dinner party with some of my doctor friends and we all just laughed so much because like I said, it's the mother, it's the baby who produces progesterone. And it was just like, ah, that was so, so horrible. It was so mean and wrong. And so I found another doctor and he too had never heard about this, but he was really open and he recognized that I had heard about it and I was pregnant by this point actually. And I was just like, look, I need to have my progesterone tested because I'm so stressed out if I don't and I'm pregnant. You're not allowed to let me be stressed out. And so <laughs> he was really supportive and he's like, I can't actually prescribe progesterone during pregnancy, but a gynecologist can, I'll refer you. So he referred me to a gynecologist and that gynecologist was amazing. He called me before I'd even met him and he was like, yes, I'm faxing through for you to go and have your progesterone tested weekly. And I'm also just going to send you a prescription for progesterone. You can just get straight on it anyway, because you have PCOS, Mm -hmm. you've lost a baby before and progesterone is the life hormone and you are absolutely responsible for creating it in the first 10 weeks. He just knew all about it. So it just really was eye-opening to learn that it's something not all doctors know. And they will very convincingly tell you that it isn't a thing and that the baby creates it, but they're incorrect. And there are other doctors who know this. So it was very eye-opening for me. I was so grateful to have gotten in touch with him. And when my results came through, my progesterone was low. So I really didn't need it. And I was lucky enough that all went well. And now I have a son. So Yes, progesterone is life hormone. Everybody Yes, <laughs> I know. I love that. I, I never yeah. forgot him saying that and I, I write it. I even have it. I think it's even in my journal. <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> yes, that's amazing. Um, okay, so how old is your child now? Wait, that was two years ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's nearly three. He's nearly three. So. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm so mm-hmm. glad. I'm so glad to be talked about this because I've heard that, mm-hmm. you know, through my market research, a lot of women they have trouble conceiving, and then they're so scared about all this. And you know, I mean, right now I feel like gynecologists—they're like good and bad ones. Even my own gynecologist, she she told me I had to be on the pill forever. Um, that's mm-hmm. what she said basically, and I was like, mm-hmm. and she's like, are you gonna get 
you know, are you thinking of getting pregnant? And but I was well, I was pretty young, so I was like, no. But she did say it's not gonna have an effect on my chances, mm. and I didn't believe her basically. So I just I just yeah. left. And then I saw a functional medicine doctor, and she helped me way better. Mm. So much more. Yeah, That's so awesome. important to find the right practitioner. I feel like. It really is. Mm-hmm. Functional medicine is so interesting. I only mm-hmm. started um, learning about functional medicine last year. I hadn't even heard oh. of it. Yeah. And I'm so glad I did. I'm now in the hands of a functional medicine practitioner and so awesome. happy about it. It has been so eye-opening. I've learned so much about the depths of my condition that I did mm-hmm. not know before. Mm-hmm. And it's really, I mean, it's absolutely um you know, uh, change the course of what uh, medical what treatment I'm taking. Yeah, how yeah. I'm approaching my PCOS has really yeah. changed. Since, like, um, how awesome is it, is it to, to yeah, talk about your sleep and your food with your doctor? Like, that's yeah. <laughs> that felt amazing to me. I was like, wow, yeah. she's asking me what I yeah. eat. That's so cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's really good. <laughs> yeah, it's so different. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay, cool. So what about a PCOS journal? I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. I feel like I want to buy this journal right now. Um, <laughs> okay, well, um, the last journal, the one that's out now still mm-hmm. is for 2019. So it's dated for 2019. Okay. So it's, um, it's, a di- it's a diary. It's, it's lots of things, really. It's very informative. It's got lots of information about all of our different treatment options, things like functional medicine. Well, actually, functional medicine isn't in the 2019 journal. Mm-hmm. I didn't know about it when I was writing that, um, but it is in the next journal. Um, yeah, yeah. So there's information about all different approaches to PCOS, but also Mm -hmm. specific herbs and supplements and even pharmaceuticals, just lots of just little facts about these herbs and research that's been done on them. Um, so it's very informative, but it's also, it's a diary. So there's space for recording information about every day Mm -hmm. and it's a health journal. So it's got, um, heaps of charts for tracking your cycle and your your symptoms and your treatments and your habits and making sure that you take your medicine every day and your weight and your exercise and your sleep and self-care so many different things to tick off and write down just to kind of track your journey so the one that's out now is for 2019 and obviously we're halfway through the year but the one that I'm working on now isn't going to be for 2020 I I rethought it I I, you know, surveyed a bunch of women um, from in the PCOS community and have decided that this will be undated. So mm-hmm. it can be used for any year. It can be started at any point in the year. Um, and it's just, it's just a bit more flexible in that way and more flexible for me too, you know, like journals. Yeah. Because, because it's like a, it's, it's like a full color, really high quality product. Um, so it isn't very cheap to make. It's not. Mm-hmm. I bet. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of had to look at my reality of, mm-hmm. you know, creating one every year. And I just, I just thought, oh, I think that it, it makes more sense um, for me. And actually for so many women in the community who said that they would prefer it to be right. undated. So yeah, I've decided to make this one undated and it'll be out in October. 
huh, so should I wait till yeah. October? I probably should then, <laughs> huh? Um, that's up to you. <laughs> I mean, the one now, obviously, it's still got six good months of, um, you know, tracking. Yeah. It's, all, it's also half price at the moment. Um, so, you know, because it's only half the year can be used. But also, yes, October, there'll be a brand <laughs> <new one. laughs> Okay. Yeah, I love that because I've been looking at apps like tracking okay so i've been tracking my period and stuff but now there's all these apps that are like oh you know there are charts to track like for fertility and stuff like that and it can get mm-hmm. kind of i don't know i feel like i'm not a digital person when i track i'm like okay i'm just yeah. typing it in but i think it's different when you're like really writing it down like every day yeah. and then you can like flip back and forth yeah it's definitely it's a different approach Mm -hmm. it's like it's achieving similar results to what you can achieve digitally in terms of the data that you can see but um the approach is different and the feeling of it is different and it suits different people there are some people who just aren't diary people and it's not for those it's ultimately probably not for those people but for the fact that it is filled with a lot of information so Mm -hmm. um yeah it's I think, I can't remember how many words it is, but it has got a lot of information in it as well. But some people like you, you know, they just, they prefer to have that. They like to write it. And there's a lot of studies around journaling and um, keeping diaries Mm -hmm. and the way that you learn and understand things um, can be more effective when it's handwritten. And so when you're, you know, handwriting things about you and your own journey, I mean, that's really... um, that can be really powerful to understand your body on a deeper level. Um, for me personally, I'm actually, I'm a pretty digital person. I, I love mm-hmm. a good app, um, but I have really loved using this journal. I mean, ultimately I made this journal cause I wanted it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so it all stemmed from me wanting it mm-hmm. and then thinking, I guess other women might want it too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, for me, I have times where I I don't use it. Like a couple of weeks go by and I'll be like, oh, I haven't used it very much, you know. And then I feel like extra guilty because I'm like, I'm the one who made it. <laughs> but, <laughs> but that's you're life, human. you know. Yeah. I think it's just human nature. But what I have found is that when I dive back into it, I am so much more effective in my health care. Mm-hmm. I I'm so much more motivated. I achieve more. I exercise more. My diet's more on track. I like, you know, because I take a bunch of different supplements. And, you know, I'm the sort of person who might forget to take them every day. And when I'm right. in my using my journal, I remember them every day. I just, mm. and I just feel kind of better. Like, I think there's so much power in doing something to treat your PCOS in terms of your mental health because when you when you have a chronic condition like PCOS and you're kind of not doing much about it or you're not kind of on top of things you can really feel like you're drowning in it and it's really overwhelming and you don't know if it's going to get better or when it's going to get better and so I just find that when I'm using the journal which is most of the time but because I've had those times where I stop it really Mm makes me recognize the difference of when I start using it and all of a sudden I feel like I'm really in control of my health and my journey and I've got like goals and I feel like I'm achieving them and I just I just feel like I've 
got my shit together more so Mm -hmm. you know what Mm -hmm. I mean yeah Yeah, I get that I have a similar thing with like self-journaling so I Mm -hmm. I used to use an app you know jot down your moods or whatever and it's just so it's yeah it's not kind of tied to how I feel I guess because you you know we're using that certain side of the brain I can't remember if it's right or left I feel like it's left Um, that's more right (laughs) I think the right (laughs) one's more rational I don't know okay but I don't know (laughs) yeah and like for women we are more emotional people we're not as rational as men so like it makes sense that you know writing would be good for us and it's better for us Mm. yeah it definitely feels good and I've got so much great you know Mm -hmm. feedback from in the community which keeps me going on the whole journey it's been amazing yeah that's awesome yeah are you looking into you know kind of uh, other products or just focusing on the journal for now um I have lots of ideas Mm -hmm. um and you know, I've been talking with a couple of people that I might be like, I might be partnering with to create mm-hmm. some other products, but you know, it's all just in the works right now. I'm just very focused on the journal and probably the secondary focus that I have in terms of products is a product that's um, more broad for women um, rather mm. than only for PCOS. So it's less relevant to this conversation, um, but that's probably the next um little side project that I'm that I'm just plodding away at <laughs> sneakily plodding away it's a little plot yeah <laughs> it's very exciting, exciting. yeah very exciting <laughs> <laughs> because I have had so many women without PCOS who have wanted this journal mm-hmm. and they say to me you know is it relevant for me and it's such a hard question oh. for me to answer because I'm like well on one hand um no because so much of it I mean it's directly for women with PCOS everything in there is informationally everything in there is for women with PCOS but in terms of the tools that are in there the charts they're for anybody so it is a hard question to answer but honestly I've just had I've had hundreds of questions about that from women outside of the PCOS community so that's why I'm kind of you know working on this other project as well but within the PCOS community I've mostly got my sights set on a few just probably ebooks mm. yeah, yeah ebooks are the rage yeah. they're great they're yeah so great yeah yeah <laughs> oh that's awesome i can't wait to hear mm. more about it um mm. and then also do you have like events you know that you kind of oh like how should i say this like are there any you know professionals or events around australia that you know relate to PCOS I just kind of want to know how much awareness there is around this condition because in Singapore it's not as much and in in the U.S. it's coming up so I wonder you know what it's like in Australia. I think Australia is pretty similar to the U.S. in Mm -hmm. where we're at but also I'm probably not the best person to answer that question but in my own personal sort of you know feeling the vibe of how it's been going in Australia. We've done some great stuff, um, like at a, um, uh, what's, oh God, my, my mind. I have such bad brain fog, something I've really <laughs> learned. Seeing a functional medicine doctor. Um, on, uh, you know, not a legislative level. There's another word. But on like a policy level, um, Australia's done some really great things. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so that's exciting. So I think from the top down, some exciting things are happening. And I think from the bottom up, a lot more needs to happen. But last year, I went to a PCOS symposium in Australia and it was, um, I'm not a health practitioner, but it was directed at health practitioners, but I just went anyway. Yeah. Anyone could go. yeah. And that was so exciting. That was a room of about 250 practitioners from around Australia yeah. who were hearing keynote speakers like Lara Bryden, who were just, Ooh, I saying, love her. yeah, the really like forefront of, she's at the forefront of Mm -hmm. of women's health and so much great information with PCOS. And there was a panel of about four um, practitioners who knew all the most recent research and they were so informed Mm -hmm. and they were speaking to a room of, you know, 250 practitioners. So that's exciting. And that will spread Mm -hmm. because they're now, they've now actually got really good information to move forward with for treating their patients. So that was exciting. Mm -hmm. And I think, I hope that that will, continue and grow although i haven't seen that that symposium's happening again this year it would be nice if it did um and in terms of events that's the only pco big pcos event that i know of mm-hmm. there are some workshops i've seen around i ran a workshop earlier this year which was really exciting um but there's there's definitely not as much as they could be. Although in uh, Melbourne or it, definitely in Victoria, so in the south of our country, um, there is a PCOS clinic, um, which is something that's never happened before in Australia. It's a dedicated clinic. It's from a Western medicine point of view, but still mm-hmm. it's dedicated um, for PCOS. And so that's exciting too. That's, that's cool. Yeah. Forward. Yeah. And speaking of symposiums, do you want to come to uh, Washington, D.C. in September? There's actually a PCOS conference over the weekend. Well, I'm joking, but like, well, half joking. Um, I'm thinking of going um, because one of my other uh, podcast speakers, Jamie Berman, she's a PCOS coach and she's a speaker at the conference. Oh, cool. Um, So, yeah, it sounds amazing. I know. I'm so jealous. I wish I could go. <laughs> yeah, I know. We're pretty far apart. So. I know. We really are. And there's there's a few big conferences like that that happen throughout the year. There's like mm-hmm. PCOS World Congress, um, the one that you're referring to. I think there's another one too. Um, and I, yeah, they're always so far from me. <laughs> yeah, I know. I it's like the big know. ones are in like Florida and Washington. I know. Yeah. Yeah. If if I sell like twenty thousand journals and uh, <laughs> and I have all this money, oh yeah, <laughs> then yeah, you can. Okay, everybody, listen up. You yeah. gotta buy the journals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, those events are so wonderful, and they've got such great attendance rates too. It mm-hmm. just really speaks to how much we need it, you know. Yeah, and then you can gain so much yeah. connections, also. Yeah. From that. It's always nice. We've that. got such a great community. Mm-hmm. There's so many great leaders in the community, but also just all the women in the community. Mm-hmm. I, it's so supportive and like the Facebook groups are so huge, you know, like and someone will ask a question and there'll be, you know, hundreds yeah. of responses. Like it's that. so yeah. supportive. It's really cool. Exactly. Yeah, I always see like a beginner 
hi, I'm newly diagnosed with PCOS. And then yeah. I, I feel like, whoa, there's like 80 comments on there. And I'm yeah. like, I guess I don't need to comment on that. Yes, <laughs> I'm the same. I'm yeah. the same. <laughs> but yeah. also like, you know, I'm so busy, you know, I've got my son and I've got PCOS pathways and I'm a mm-hmm. singing teacher and I've got so much on, but still I'll see, you know, I mean, I guess for me, mis- discussions around miscarriage are particularly meaningful for me and mm-hmm. I really resonate with that. And, you know, I'll be scrolling on Facebook and I'll see a, someone asking a question and like, even though I'm so busy, I'm just like, Oh, I really want to, you know, yeah. I'll say, yeah. say my journey or whatever little bit of, you know, something that relates. And, and it seems that everyone does that. We're all so busy and yet we all take mm-hmm. the time to really help each other. And I think that's so nice. It's so nice. Cause we know yeah. how it feels. And if it's like directly, yeah. you know, your experience, you're just like, oh, I got you. Here's what I did. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just such a reflection of, mm-hmm. Uh, how little support we have from our standard health community, um, mm-hmm. health practitioners, you know, the fact yeah. that we do really need to turn to each other for information. I agree. Yeah. Okay, hold up. Just now yes. you said that you are a singing teacher. Can you sing? Yes. No. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to sing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, yeah. so we're just going to... Let's try to... Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna um, round it out with some fun questions. Um, okay. Yeah. So, like, what is the one ingredient or food that you need to have every day that makes you feel great? You know, that keeps keeps your hormones in check and everything. Well, the food that I eat every day. There's a couple, um, mm. although they they might seem a bit random. Um, so I've learned just how important fiber is. I mean, even on a hormonal level, it's really important. Apparently, it um, really helps with our um, controlling our insulin levels. So it really helps for insulin resistance. Um, plus, it's you know important for so many other things, our digestive health, and learning about how linked our gut health is with PCOS has been a really interesting part of my journey with functional medicine. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've, fiber has become a really um, important part of my diet and learning how much fiber we're supposed to have, like 25 to 30 grams a day. It's crazy. I and know. So, oh, it's I crazy. like a cow. I feel like, oh my God, <laughs> how am I supposed to eat that much? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I know. So um, chia seeds or flax meal or linseed meal i don't know what mm-hmm. they call it in the u.s it's got two names mm-hmm. um are a part of my everyday diet um nice. i have one of those every day in some way or both um and then the other thing that's a part of my everyday diet is spinach i just oh. it's my staple vegetable i just it's just it's just got no bad things about it you know it's just it's like a perfect food <laughs> And, you know, we grow it a lot. You know, it grows for a really long period of time. Mm-hmm. I couldn't tell you how long, but just it just keeps giving. It's like the plant that keeps giving and growing. Um, so, yeah, I have spinach like every day, at least in one meal a day. Mm-hmm. It's a real staple vegetable for me. And I, I tend to um, have low iron or go a bit anemic. So mm-hmm. um, spinach. Oh, and lemon lemon it's, lemon it's an everyday thing oh, yeah lemon's everything cool. it, like i often drink it in the morning mm-hmm. in like a warm with warm water and i put mm-hmm. it on all my greens 
to help nice. people. Yeah. So you What's yours? I want to know what yours is. Me? Yeah, I want to know what yours is. That's a good question. Every day, I would actually have Brazil nuts. Oh, and, that's a good one. Yeah, some kind of seed also because I seed cycle. Yep. So, okay, yep, true. Yeah, some kind of I, seeds. I, mm-hmm. Yeah, I love seeds as well and nuts. Yeah. But I haven't seed cycled. I've seen a lot about it, but I haven't. Oh, haven't okay. I, I haven't approached it yet. Yeah, uh, it's a it's a good one for you know people yeah. using the journal. They can put in what seeds yeah. they're on. That's a good one, definitely. Um, and actually, I'm so into seeds that people at my work, my previous work. So I used to work in a gym. They called mm-hmm. me a bird, and during my birthday, <laughs> they actually bought me a real packet of bird food, like. <laughs> Four birds only, and they're like, "Hey, Mel, this is your your birthday." Uh, I'm like, uh, "Oh my god, what am I supposed to do?" With this? Yes, <laughs> I mean it was a joke. They actually they actually uh, got yeah. me like boxing gloves, but like the uh-huh. other present was like bird food, and I'm like, "Okay, that's so it. funny." <laughs> um. So then, what is what is your favorite exercise? You mentioned rock climbing. I climb too. Mm-hmm. Ah, yeah. So I could never call myself a rock climber because I'm okay. terrible at it, but I love it. Um, oh yeah, me too. It's a hobby. Me. It's just for fun. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. It's so, it's just the best. But I do have to say, I haven't rock climbed in like three years. A while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't have I haven't rock climbed since I've had a kid because mm-hmm. well, we don't have a rock climbing gym near where I live because I live in the bush, and we have cliffs around but he's just I just don't trust him yet to be there I mean Mm. other people might with their young children but my my son he's just a bit he's a bit wild so I um, I can't wait to put him on a cliff to get him rock climbing he would love it he would love it but like it's for that moment where my husband's climbing and I'm belaying that who's looking after this right (laughs) yeah unless you can strap him to your back maybe while you uh, that that's actually a good idea i should have done that when he was younger he wouldn't do that now but mm-hmm. that would have been a good idea when he was little yeah so, you know like when you're hiking yeah. and stuff i don't know yeah so mm-hmm. no so that is my favorite exercise but my other favorite exercise is walking but like hiking Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. really long walks are my favorite and to be honest I struggle to do it I mean I live in the bush but it's just honestly like I hate to play the kid card but you know being home with a two-year-old and he's great he can hike but he still has his limitations so Mm -hmm. yeah and I have a little bit of lower back problems and so I I can't carry him for extended time so yeah. uh yeah but you know we do our best you know we walk every day um yeah maybe later on when his legs get a little longer yeah. he can go yeah walks. yeah <laughs> he, he can walk he can walk two kilometers he'll do two kilometers um but once you start heading into three kilometers he's yeah like, carry, carry me, mommy. <laughs> yeah. i wish i could see him he sounds really cute, he um, cute. Yeah. <laughs> he's so cute yeah I'm so happy that, um, you know, we got a chance to talk for real this Me time. Me too. And yeah. like for you to share about the journal. Um, so Thank where can you. people, you know, find out more about it and like mm-hmm. where to purchase it? So you can get it from my website, which is PCOSPathways.com. 
And you can find me on Instagram at PCOS Pathways and on Facebook, you just look up PCOS Pathways. And that's it. I mean, I'm on LinkedIn, but, you know, I'm not that active on there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who, has time Who has time for that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. Um, yeah, so hopefully, you know, maybe you can get a chance to talk about other stuff later on, like gut health and yeah. PCOS from another I'd approach. love that. It will yeah, always be fun. Yeah. Yay. Yeah, I'd love to pick your brain as well. Oh, yeah, I know, sure. I know you're very knowledgeable. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, thanks for coming on to the podcast. This was super fun. Thank, thank you so much for having me. I've really, really enjoyed it.